Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1969. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm back across the pond, which I've been there several times this week, which is somewhat unique for me, the UK, with a special returning guest by the name of Barry Wills. Barry, welcome back to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Thank you, Mark. I most certainly am. All right. It's so good to have you back. Now, when Barry was on the show before, he was here to pitch a book that he had that we'll be talking about. He's got a second book that he just released, which is another huge piece of information about his life in the automotive sector. Uh, he was guest number 438. Now he's 1969. So there's been a lot of people between your your last visit and your first visit. I didn't ask you this question before, but I'll ask you before I give you a proper introduction. What's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you, Barry? I guess I work for someone else other than John DeLorean. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's what this book is all about, because you yeah. worked for a lot of someone else's. I did. I did. A very eventful career. Incredible career. Very fortunate to have worked in 50 countries. It's, it's amazing. And that's what this book, and I want you listeners to know about this book, because the insights that Barry brings in this book to the automotive sector Absolutely fascinating. So let me give you a proper introduction, and we're going to talk about your past here. Barry Wills has spent over 50 years in the global automotive industry. His first book, John A., The DeLorean and Me, Tales from an Insider, is a unique look from the perspective of the longest-serving employee of DeLorean Motor Cars Limited. His tale focuses on the years during troubled troubles in Northern Ireland when the production of the DeLorean took place. His newest book, though, is the prequel sequel to his first book, and it's titled 45 Plus Years Without John DeLorean and a Little More. Barry has worked for numerous automobile companies and countries throughout his life, and this book covers his amazing career working for over 50 country in over 50 countries throughout his career as well. This guy's been around the globe. So we'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our sponsors. So give him a little listen and we'll be right back. Hold on. Covercraft's newest three-layer all-climate cover is especially engineered for moderate weather conditions and it's treated with an extra UV-resistant formula. It's soft, it's breathable, and it's easy to store, all while pampering your paint, providing maximum UV, rain, and dust protection. If you live where it's windy, no worries. Simply add their gust guards for windy conditions to add extra protection to keep your cover in place. Your three-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their tradition since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft, too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code yeah 21 Y-E-A-H-2-1 at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right. So get 10% off with free shipping by simply using the code yeah 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates. 
by a lot. But why? My usage was the same. My car's value was the same. And I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options. I spoke to others. And with American Collectors Insurance is where I now have my policy. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my orange crush, and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine. Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Barry, now this new book is another blockbuster, I will say, because this is 453 pages. There's over a thousand illustrations, and it really takes a deeper dive into this amazing career you've had. But before we got on the show here, you said something interesting to me of all the people that worked at DeLorean. You're the last man standing, right? Mm, I am. Well, well, none of, of all the people worked for him, of all the operational directors. Got it. That's uh, ran ran the business in in Northern Ireland. I was probably ten years younger than uh, the next youngest man. So, and astonishingly, I was still only in my thirties. Wow. Um, when uh, John hired me, yes, I was thirty six when John hired me. Wow, this is amazing. Must be out of his mind. <laughs> I think he knew what he was doing. And you're going to be eighty or eighty years old in this coming New Year. Is that right? I'm 80 in January. In January. Yep. Well, happy early birthday. I, I'm, I was born on Burns Night. Rabbi Burns, the Scottish poet. I got it. So I celebrate my birthday each year by eating haggis. Oh, God. You, you ever eaten haggis? I, you know, I'm not a big fan. I'm sorry. I, I adore it. I adore it. Yeah. Which is, of course, with tatters and neeps. Well, you know, tatters and neeps. May, yes, and maybe I didn't have it prepared properly no I, I would cook it for you okay let's get over okay and uh, of course scotch to go with it well that will wash it down That's nicely important ingredient yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely so well, i want to talk about this new book because for you listeners i'm going to read off just a little number of companies that barry has worked for jaguar kerstil forge and engineering leyland national bus reliant delorean lamborghini land rover fiat lotus rover kia proton uh tianjin auto aran codro mg rover i mean my gosh do you just can't keep a job is that the problem (laughs) (laughs) no i i gave up working for them and did contract for them contracted with them uh, in later years, I spent 25 years working for companies that I was employed with, and 20 another 25 years after I formed my own company, uh, going out working uh, on projects for them. So companies like Lotus, I never worked for, but I ran a project for Lotus to bring a new car into production. For instance, um, I worked for Lamborghini, running a cost reduction exercise. Uh, on the um, Diablo 
they tended to be projects like that. So, uh, uh, but it did take me around the world, and uh, uh, I certainly enjoyed the experience. Well, uh, certainly Moss did not grow under your feet. uh, That's for sure, because the plethora of companies that you talk about and share stories in this new book bring a great insight into the inner workings and the turmoil many times with companies. You know, those of us who don't work in these big automotive companies, you just kind of go, oh, they just make a car and it comes out. But you bring us a, a really interesting insight into the struggles, the challenges, what you've learned. I, I'm not even sure where to really start here. So what I want to ask you first and foremost is primarily when you worked at all these different companies, were you somewhat of a a guy to get things done or a fixer guy, or were you just a wearer of many, many hats? No, I, I think I became a guy that got things done. And, uh, Sometimes I got things done in a, a way in which I did not win friends. I didn't suffer fools gladly, but we got things done. And uh, that's why uh, very often when companies were in trouble with a project, uh, I was the guy they looked out for, uh, brought in to sort out uh, through the, the mess and uh, get things back on the rails again and hit the target date. Yeah, very difficult to do. So let's Let's do this. I would love for you to pick a couple stories in the book and touch on the highlights of companies that you went into that we'll all know about, but things that you had to to deal with. So I'll let you kind of cherry pick a couple that stand out. This book is so in-depth and there's so much interesting information in it. So where would you like to start? Pick a mark that stands out for you. I think think perhaps one of the most interesting ones and the most significant ones is that the work, the project I did for Lotus. Lotus had, uh, back in uh, the, uh, when, oh, I forget the years now, um, but they, they'd started a project to do a new Elan, a small sports car, two, two-seater, soft top, mm-hmm. that uh, was, of course, part of their, a major part of their heritage. The project had been running for a number of years, but was drifting. And it was, it was really going nowhere. It needed pulling together. And I got a call from, uh, initially from Colin Spooner, uh, who was their engineering director, who was very much the, the father of the new Elan, which is baby. So he was very keen to make sure that it succeeded. It was him that asked me if I was prepared to free myself up and basically do or uh, redo what they felt I'd done in the, during the DeLorean program. Now, was this the first generation Elan? No, second generation. Oh, Elan. so that was around late 80s. M100, yeah, M100. <clears throat> okay, yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Yes, yes, well, that's right, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not that old. <laughs> I, I didn't put you there. I was just checking. <laughs> you know, you've been everywhere. You've done everything, so, my, uh, you my know. Fault for remembering the year. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Go, go ahead. So, um, <laughs> I was um, asked... Yeah, basically, of course, I'd done a similar job uh, with DeLorean because I'd uh, overseen the Lotus program that brought the DeLorean car through development and into production. I'd overseen Lotus's activity. So basically, Colin's question was, would you come in and do it again for us with our car? And um, it just so happened that it'd come at the end right on the tail 
uh, of a project I'd been working on for another illustrious character of the automotive sector, a guy called Malcolm Bricklin. Oh, Bricklin. I've been working, yes, oh, yes, Malcolm. I've been working with Malcolm down in, in, in Malaysia with Proton, and um, uh, sadly, he'd, uh, his project had come to a very abrupt end, and he'd left me with a very huge bad debt. So the opportunity to dive in to some immediate income uh, was, was very welcome. Uh, and I was free. It just so happened I was free. Uh, so I dedicated two to three days a week to going into Lotus and beginning to get the program uh, back on rails. Uh, I ran weekly meetings with all their senior uh, directors um, of the various operational elements of the business uh, connected with the uh, the, the LAN program. And uh, they uh, needed to be, because they were part of GM now, so they couldn't really be seen to fail. Uh, GM's dollars had gone in to make this program work. And they had to hit uh, the date of the uh, the London Motor Show in October, November of that year, and uh, production job one for January of the following year. And um, basically, that's what we hit. I opted out uh, in January uh, on the basis of job done. And uh, as I say, I, I made a few enemies along the way. I made a lot of friends along the way. And friends like Colin Spooner, I'm still in touch with. And we still work very closely together all these years later. Wow. It's incredible. Well, you know, anytime there's a so-called outsider coming in to not only help but fix things that aren't going right, I can imagine uh, you butted heads with some people that weren't happy to see you, but I'm sure somewhere in their heart realized we need somebody to help us here because we're not, we're not getting this figured out. You know, besides John DeLorean and the incredible time you spent with him, and we talked about for you listeners, if you missed my talk with Barry, you can go back and find a show on my podcast. And again, if you don't have his book, his other book, you got to get your hands on that. And I'll put links to that in Barry's show notes page here. But who is somebody that you've worked with over time, not John, but someone else that you would consider a great mentor or a great influencer or an inspirational person. I'm sure there's probably a lot of them, but one, maybe one that stands out for our talk today. Only very briefly, uh, but a guy who I had a very great pleasure to work with for a short period of time, who I found very, very inspirational, not least because of the of his achievements, was Zora Duntoff. Oh, wow. The father of the Corvette. Yeah. I, I worked with um, with Zora, in fact, during the DeLorean program towards the end when we uh, uh, we, we worked together testing the turbocharged version of the DeLorean that was developed by a company called Legend Industries. that sadly never saw the light of day. Had it come about, would have been the fastest road car um, uh, uh, at that time. Wow. Uh, it's a great tragedy. Of, one of the real tragedies of the DeLorean program that uh, the legend uh, uh, turbocharged car never saw the light of day. But Zora and I spent a couple of days working together, uh, test driving that car and socializing and uh, getting the guy to reminisce. And that wasn't difficult about his times at GM uh, with the various people he'd worked with was phenomenal 
and I grew a tremendous respect for that man. And on my bookshelf, I have his uh, autobiography, or a biography, I should say. I think it was written by someone else. Wow. Um, yeah, it, 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 real character, a real character. No kidding. A real honor to meet him. Uh, yes, absolutely. One of those names that is just uh, incredible in the history of the automotive trade. Is there, is there another brand that you worked with? Uh, maybe kind of an outlier, because when I looked through, read through the list of, and I mentioned earlier, just some of them. I mean, you worked in Iran for Kodro. Is that how it's pronounced? Iran, Iran Kodro, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you worked for all these different entities. One of those outliers that you worked for that you might share an interesting tidbit with us? Well, I guess there's two really come to mind. One is Iran Hodro, which is pronounced Hodro. They don't pronounce the K for some strange reason. Iran, Iran Hodro. Uh, working in Iran at that time, during the time of the Ayatollahs, of course, was uh, an amazing experience and a very pleasant one. Tehran was a delightful place to be in. Walking through the streets of Tehran, free as a daisy, in those days... The, the ladies were, were not wearing, no, I beg your pardon. They were wearing burkas and. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. But as soon as they got on the airplane to travel to fly to the UK, it came off and the, and the makeup came on. That's what I'm remembering. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, that was an amazing experience. And we formed a, a very close relationship with the personnel in that company. I was part of a team uh, working in uh, Iran Ardro. We did a project to facelift uh, a Peugeot that they were building at the time. Incidentally, they also, um, during the period I was working there, uh, they were still building the original Hillman Hunter, which was the car that the Shah of Iran bought from what was the Roots Group that preceded Chrysler, that preceded Peugeot UK, uh, that kicked off the uh, Iranian car industry. And... Um, before we left Iran, they built their two millionth version of that car. Wow. Which it was staggering. Yeah. Yeah. Staggering. Two million cars uh, of that model. Uh, before they moved on to the, um, by which time Peugeot's influence had come in and Peugeot's uh, Franks were beginning to influence decisions. So they were producing a version of the, uh, I think it was the 405, mm. and uh, we did a facelift of it for them. Yeah. And a, a re-engineering, which allowed them to meet European safety legislation of that time so that they could sell into other Middle Eastern markets. They were, begin they were keen to begin to export. So th that's basically what the uh, activity there uh, was all about. The, the, the second uh, interesting company and country was China. I mean, we, we, we discovered China before any of the major car manufacturers did. We spent years working in China. And one of our major projects was with a company called Tianjin Auto or Tianjin. 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 Yeah. Uh, Tianjin, if you look at a map, Tianjin is the uh, basically the, the port entrance to uh, uh, Beijing. And it's also the car capital in that Toyota assembled there. You might remember there was a, or you might have heard about, there was a major fire there about, oh, 10 years ago. And the whole of the 
stock of uh, uh, Toyota cars at the docks uh, were destroyed by this fire. Wow. And, yeah, it was quite something. Can't, can't remember what caused the fire, but it was one of those things that hit the headlines at the time. But we, we were well before that, and we had a tremendous time uh, working with them uh, on uh, a, a number of activities, uh, basically helping them to improve their manufacturing methods and uh, um, uh, other day-to-day -day activities. Uh, I had, a, again, a small team of people working out there with them. I was inclined to be in and out, overseeing what was going on in, those, in that project. But it was a very eye-opening experience working with them. They were very easy to work with. We formed a lot of friends again. And, um, yeah, the only problem was keeping up with the name changes or names, you know. They all seem to be named Mr. Wu, Mr. Lou, Mr. 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 Q. <laughs> I remember who was who. Well, and look at look at where that country has come from then Absolutely. to now. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. Um, juggernaut. Yeah, yeah. I remember slightly later being taken into China on a, a project from Americans who thought they'd found a, a, a bus, a, an electric bus that was going to, that they were going to take into the States from China uh, and really prove a breakthrough. When we got out there, what we, what we found was what was there shock and surprise is that the, the bus was a, a Chinese copy of an electric bus that was being built in, in New Zealand and had been built in New Zealand for a number of years. So they, I'm afraid they weren't going to export it into the USA. That was a bit of a disappointment to them. No doubt. During that time, I remember being taken into a, uh, car, a vehicle assembly plant, a Chinese vehicle assembly plant, where they were building, again, a Chinese copy of a um, Toyota people carrier, SUV. Ah. Yeah. You could really see, begin to see, what was just around the corner. And it reminded me of something that I was told when I was working, who was I working for this time? I was in, Ta oh, when I was working in Taiwan, working for a company called Yulong, uh, who were related to Nissan. But I also came close to working for a second Taiwanese company called Yutian, who were close to, who worked closely with Daihatsu. And there was a guy called Mr. Ye, uh, known as Big Ye. Ye in, Ye, and he wasn't big, huge guy. Ye in Mandarin means big. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> So his name was Mr. Big. Mr. Big. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like an evil empire leader or something. Uh, yeah, well, like Dr. Yes, evil. <laughs> yes, yes. I remember him saying to me, uh, Barry, he said, you guys started off the Industrial Revolution. The Americans came in and put some order to it. Okay. Uh, the Japanese came in next and produced quality. Next, it's our turn. Mm, yeah. The, uh, the words I've carried with me over probably 30 to 40 years. Well, and here we go. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're going to take a short break for our sponsors, but we come back. I'd love to hear your perspective on some future things with automobiles. So keep that thought in mind and okay. we'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, 
restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. I'm honored to say that my charity of choice here at Cars Yeah is Tech Force Foundation. They help young people find an education and career that aligns with their passions. For those who love cars, problem solving, and working with their hands, a career as a professional automotive technician is the perfect fit for a fulfilling life. We're all wired differently, and not every successful career demands a four year university. Technical education and the skilled trades matter, and we need qualified skilled technicians to keep our vehicles rolling. Learn more about how you can support tomorrow's driving force and workforce of technicians at techforce.org, like I do here at Cars Yeah. So, Barry, we're back. I would love your perspective, and you made a nice segue with Mr. Biggs' somewhat ominous predictions of the future, which have certainly come true in many ways, about how you see the automotive business sector in the future. And let's start with EVs, because this has been coming on super fast. I'd love your perspective on how you see that part of the industry growing, let's just say, and I know the crystal ball can be foggy, (laughs) but let's just say for the next five to 10 years of where you see the electric vehicles going mm, yeah i'm not convinced by electric vehicles at all no i mean they're here and, and they're going to happen uh the chinese particularly are making them happen there's no doubt about it but uh i'm not sure that it's the future i think i think the future is more likely to be hydrogen and uh i'm very aware of the fact that if you go back a few years it was toyota who kicked things off with the hybrids and that has led through to electric vehicles. I'm very conscious of the fact now that Toyota seems to be putting their money into hybrids. Sorry, into uh, hydrogen. And that, I think, demonstrates a lot in my, in my view. So I, I'm, I'm in, in the hydrogen camp. And that, that's where I think the long term is more likely to uh, be taking us. I've had some guests on the show that are saying the same thing. And Mm -hmm. I had a guest recently on the show that worked for Ford Motor Company in their diesel division for for decades, 35 plus years. And he said the same thing. He said, you know, everybody seems to be pushing EVs, but that seems to be driven a lot by political ideology as well. But he said, reality is we can't do that. Exactly. And he mentioned hydrogen. He mentioned other types of of alternative fuels. And I believe his words were, if you gave everybody in the world an EV car tomorrow, you gave it to them. Yeah. It wouldn't work. Yeah. We ain't got enough electricity. Not enough electricity, not enough power uh, stations, not enough. I mean, it just wouldn't work for everybody. So yeah, I find that very interesting. 
aside from that, what do you think are the biggest challenges for automobile makers in the next, say, 10 years? China uh, is the biggest challenge of all for the uh, for, for the established car manufacturers. And in what way? Well, because they seem to have their hands on everything. They are certainly pushing the, uh, the, the barriers in terms of exports now. Uh, and I think we'll find them entering other markets pretty pretty quickly. Uh, many of you know, some of the vehicle manufacturers are already there. Yeah, I, I think the Chinese uh, are the biggest threat to the rest of the, uh, uh, the vehicle manufacturers in the world. As far as other, as other threats, uh, it's difficult to, uh, to, to answer that one. I think, um, yeah, overcoming the, uh, perhaps overcoming the, the fallacy that uh, the, the world the, or the world politicians has have that uh, uh, EVs are the answer to everything. They're not. They're not. I would agree with you from what I've learned from my guests. What's the most interesting automobile manufacturer that you see working today? Why and why would that be? See, working today? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The most, who, who is, let me rephrase it better. Who's the most interesting automobile manufacturer that you see in today's market? Tesla. <laughs> Tesla. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, I see, I see John DeLorean in, uh, as a, you know, Musk. Uh, it, there's so many similarities. Yeah. Both completely crazy people. Uh, <laughs> both uh, with seeing uh, objectives uh, that, that in their mind are done before they've even started the work. I, th- I thought the idea up, it's done. Uh, and then you get somebody else to implement it for you. Uh, and I'm a great admirer of Elon Musk. I mean, how can you fail? How can you fail to be? I mean, it's just automotive, is it? You know, look at the things he's got his hands in. But uh, no, te- the Teslas... Uh, I think it. I think it's terrific, even though they're electric. I forgive him that. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, I noticed uh, yesterday. I saw that Time Magazine made him their Person yeah. of the Year, and yeah. not that I hold much credence to Time Magazine anymore. However, well, they had John Glorian as Man of the Year as well. Well, they did, and yeah. you know, I think different times, of course. But it seems like some of the people yeah. they've been picking in the last decade. I'm like, what? Come on, can't find anybody better than that. But yes, I would agree. Elon Musk, his vision. Yeah. I've always said, if I could spend just an hour in his head, I wonder if I could yeah. survive. <laughs> you know, because he's a Steve Jobs. I mean, he's just one of yeah. these magical people that just, it's its fascinating to me. And whether you like Teslas or not, whether you like EVs or not, you you have to admit you, he's done amazing things. Yeah. Yes, you've got to admire him. Yeah, you yeah. have to just, just a little bit. Um, yeah. So, and of course, because he started with a Lotus. Yes, that's right. The, yeah. The conversion of a Lotus, uh, um, uh, Elise. Yeah, Elise. Elise, the Elise, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I remember those. Uh, I remember seeing those cars at Pebble Beach during Car Week when, yeah. before he was even really involved very much, you know, the first ones there and going, well, this is kind of interesting, but where are you going to get the power? And, you know, like, this was 15 yeah. years ago. So, yeah. And of course, he sent one up to space. Uh, I know it's still out there. You know? 
that guy that guy sitting in that car is still still listening still to uh, to Elton John sing Rocket Man over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, but it's fun. I think it's we need yeah, the world. The world fun. needs more people like that. I do. That's well, I'm I'm really excited that you came back on the show and shared this new book again for you listeners. The book is titled Forty Five Plus Years Without John DeLorean and a little more. I'll put a link to this new book on the show notes page here. It's published by our friends at Woodbine Publications, correct? Correct. And the best place to get their hands on this book is it at woodbinepublications.com? Uh, there's, a, there's a website, www.woodbinepublications.com. Absolutely. And you had uh, uh, John Griffiths, who was formerly with the Financial Times, as the foreword to this book, right? He wrote the foreword. I'm very flattered. Uh, my first book had the foreword written by the great Ed Lapham of of, of U.S. fame. And uh, John, uh, I was very flattered and thrilled that he agreed to uh, write the foreword for for my second book, yeah. Two two real stars. Well, you're a real star in my book, Barry, because you brought this insight of a career that is just absolutely mind-boggling to me. How many companies you had your hands in and how many things you've done. And the fact that you've written this book and you've brought this for us car enthusiasts forward to get glimpses into these windows that we would never know about, we would never see, uh, is absolutely fascinating. So I I can't thank you enough for bringing this book to us. It's been a real pleasure uh, chatting to you again, Mark. I've enjoyed it again. And, uh, if there's one or two people out there who want to subscribe to buying the book, then, uh, you know, the, 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 the small sense of welcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, this is a book that you automotive enthusiasts really need to have in your automotive library, if you will. Um, I'm going to do something kind of fun with you today, Barry. I'm going to allow you to pick any vehicle in the world. I'm going to give you this vehicle and you can be going anywhere in this vehicle with anybody, even somebody who's deceased, and you can have fun, have a conversation with this person. That's the magic that plays here at Cars, yeah? So let's start with what vehicle can I give you today? Oh, Jaguar E-Type. Ooh, okay. There we go. And who would you— The very first car I ever worked on. Oh, really? Yeah, as a young apprentice at Jaguar, I was very privileged to sit next to a guy, and that's basically all I did. I sat next to learning whilst he purchased the components for the Jaguar E-Type. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I saw that I saw that car evolve and lived with it. You weren't allowed to see it in those days unless you were one of the development engineers working on it. But when we did see it, oh, boy, what a revelation, you know? Oh. So, yeah, a Jaguar E-Type. Okay. As to the person. Um I think I think maybe I'd like to spend that time with John, with John DeLorean. Kind of thought you'd just, say that. And just catch up, you know. Um, I'm I'm involved in writing a, a book of fiction at the moment, uh, but it's a new idea. I find it very difficult to write fiction because it's so different to uh, writing all effectively a, a memoirs. I've got a guy doing the the, the major work, uh, and I'm supporting him, who has written quite a bit of fiction. And uh, the fiction is all about what happened had DeLorean survived, what came next. And um, I think sitting there in a car that, for that period of time with John would help me develop that book. 
Well, you know, my son is writing his first book. He's he's 28 years old and a book of fiction. And he's visiting for the holidays here. And he is saying the hardest part of writing fiction is you can do whatever you want. Yes. And that opens up like I have to decide what street is the guy walking down? What is he wearing and where is he going? And what's going to happen next? Yeah. And you can do whatever. And but you got to think way ahead. So yeah, sometimes sometimes fiction starts at the end. Well, he said the same thing. So maybe I should put you together with him to give him some advice. Uh, I love yeah, the yeah. I love the idea of the of the Jaguar E-Type. I love being with John. So let's pick the final part of this is where would you yeah. love to be driving in that Jaguar? Oh, uh, it's... It, you've been all over the world, so you've seen Yeah, so I know, but there's one particular drive I did in the USA, uh, and it's that drive down in California. Okay. It's got it's got a name. It's got a name. Would it be the Pacific Coast Highway along the? Yeah, coast? that's the one. Oh, that's the one. Highway One. That's, that's Highway One. Highway One. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's highway One. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've done that drive many times. I did that drive. Something I've never done. I've never done. No. Well, you got to come over. Ambitious. Well, you got to yeah. come over. Maybe we could do that together. That would be well, fun. Well, when this lot's over, I aim to. Yeah. My uh, my son, when he was eight, I I bought a five fifty Spider. Uh, it was a replica of a 550 built by a past Chuck Beck, who's been a past guest. And we drove that car all the way from Long Beach, California, back up to Gig Harbor, 1,500 miles. It oh, had wow. it had no top, no radio, no heater, literally a little race car is what it is. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was a great drive. I've done many drives on that coast. I even rode my bike down Highway 1. So yeah. um, I think that would be pretty fun with John and Barry reminiscing uh yeah well you let me know when this new book gets done we'll have, oh, you, come we'll do. Yeah. We'll yeah. have you come back and talk about it you know this has been so good to catch up with you now if you could give us some parting words of wisdom from the wealth of knowledge you've learned throughout your life is there maybe a little success quote or some kind of saying you could share with us yeah i'd recommend i'd recommend to any young man uh starting in the industry to pick yourself a mentor Pick yourself a mentor, make sure he's the right one, and listen to him. Yeah. Observe him, because you learn so much. You know, I've been so fortunate, particularly in my early days, you know, working in, working, starting work in the Jaguar that was still being run by Sir William Lyons, the founder. Wow. I only ever spoke, no, sorry, Sir William only ever spoke to me once. But I shall relish those words the rest of my life. He opened the door of my little office, which was the size of a broom cupboard, and said the immortal words to me, would you mind switching the lights off when you got home, young man? (laughs) Those words were not inspirational, but it was the, the company that Sir William created, the people within it who got things done for him, that I was able to sit next to as a 17 year old kid Wow. And learn from wow. and use as a mentor. You know, I had two major mentors within Jaguar who taught me a lot, so much. A guy called Stanley Parks and a guy called John Macmillan. And those two men both have pictures, photographs in my book. And I, I, I thank them for the fact that they taught me more than anybody in my early days. Wow. So grab a mentor and learn from them. 
Great words of wisdom. Barry, this has been wonderful. Again, listeners, the name of the book, 45 Plus Years Without John DeLorean, and a little more by the great Barry Wills. Barry, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Uh, We're just a few days away from Christmas, so Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Merry Christmas to you, too. Here's to a very happy and healthy 80th birthday coming up in January. Thank you. And here's to a very healthy year for all of us, because, boy, we could sure use it. We certainly could, Mark, and thank you again for giving me the honor of being your guest, and uh, I just hope that your listeners have enjoyed a few of the words, if not all of them. No doubt. Absolutely. Pleasure's been mine, Barry. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!